Hello and welcome to another episode of the Prop Swap Podcast. We are your hosts, Ian Epstein. And Luke Pergandy. And we are also the founders of PropSwap, the first marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We've got a, another great episode for you. Uh, we will, of course, get into all of the Super Bowl action before the game, during the game, on PropSwap, uh, all that good stuff. But first, I thought we would talk a little bit about uh, our travels uh, last week, Luke, um, as we, we previewed on last week's uh, podcast. You were going to go to Phoenix for a couple of days to uh, for the Phoenix Open, and then uh, meet up with me in in Vegas. But I th- thought we would just start with you in um, in in Scottsdale and Phoenix. Uh, I believe you said last week that you know you were more excited uh, to attend the Phoenix Open than you were to to get to Vegas for the game. Uh, how did that work out? Not well. <laughs> uh, for anyone that didn't know, Phoenix in february is historically one of the nicest times to visit that city and it was just the exact opposite for the number one tourism event that i'm I'm aware of in phoenix the phoenix open aka the waste management uh apps it was hailing on wednesday morning uh not great weather for golf so they canceled the pro-am on wednesday they suspended it for about the, they suspended the waste management open on Thursday for about five hours. They got about two hours of golf in later that afternoon. And I'm actually not sure, obviously, I flew to the Super Bowl. I'm not sure what the outcome was if they resumed it on Friday, if they made it, you know, 20, 27 holes on Friday, if they finished it on Sunday. I, I don't know. But absolutely uh, horrific weather relative to Phoenix in, uh, in the middle of February. Yeah. Um they did play on Friday, although Friday I think got delayed in the in the morning due to a frost delay, like because it was it was it had been so cold. Um, and then, but yeah, I mean, basically they were they were playing from behind the eight ball, and it, the, the tournament did not finish until around halftime of the Super Bowl. They played up until around uh, uh, halftime. Actually, I had it up on a TV because um, I was uh, just curious, and and you know I need to know when when it ended. Uh, it was actually a fantastic finish that went to a pl- uh, playoff hole between Nick Taylor and charlie hoffman um nick taylor like sunk a birdie on 18 to force the playoff it was it was actually a really uh incredible uh final round then and it kind of stinks that um you know the but i i totally get that they had to they weren't going to just suspend it because everyone wanted to go to watch watch the super bowl but uh it was actually a, a great finish and yet again another pga event has a a winner who was 100 to 1 or greater i believe nick mm-hmm. taylor was 150 to one. Uh, and that now makes like six straight um, uh, events in a row where there's a 100 to one greater or winner. So wow. um, yeah, uh, now that football is over, I think uh, golf will, will be taking uh, center stage, obviously masters coming up in about two months. Um, yeah. so it, so, seems like it seems like what you're saying is maybe we shouldn't be betting Scotty Shelfer at five to one every week. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, well, you know, maybe this is a you know discussion for for, uh, for another podcast. But you know, with more and more live guy guys going to live, um, you know, it's it's I think it's opened these fields up a lot more. And so yeah, sure, there's still your Justin Thomases and your um, Jordan Spieths and your Scotty Schefflers, but you've you know removed uh, still a lot of the guys that were you know in contention. And so you know, golf I mean golf every every week is. Uh, you know, you're going to have long shots in there, but I, I got to imagine, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that you remove, you know, 
20, 25 of the best guys on the PGA Tour every week. And yeah, it's going to open it up a little bit more um, because it's very hard to be consistent week in, week out. Like that's reserved for the top of the top. And so guys like, you know, Nick Taylor and, you know, some, some of the other winners are escaping me right now, but you can, they can be great for four days, but it's, it's, it's extremely difficult to be great for four days, week in, week out. Yep. Um, so yeah, uh, Phoenix, sorry to hear Phoenix open was, uh, was disappointing, but, um, you came over to Vegas, joined me, uh, and, uh, as as I'm sure a lot of listeners know, um, you know, I used to live in Vegas, lived there for 10 years. And so always good to be back. But um, this past weekend was um, definitely one of those weekends where you could tell something was different. You know, I've, whether it's uh, when I was there, like, you know, a, a big a prize fight weekend, you could tell there was something different. You know, obviously, New Year's Eve, there's more more people, but you could definitely tell there was there was a, a buzz in the air walking around the strip. Um, but, uh, it was, it was a great week. Um, got to see some, some friends in the industry, like, uh, our friend, Matt, Matthew Holt, who runs us integrity, uh, Matt Metcalf, who was the former odds head odds maker at Circa, uh, some customers. So, uh, really, really productive, um, weekend. Uh, but before I go any further, I I'm curious to get your take as someone who's been to, you know, Miami, Atlanta, Phoenix, and now Vegas, like kind of what your thoughts were on Vegas as a Super Bowl host city. Um, because on the CBS pregame, which I watched the whole thing, um, the, everyone was, they, could, they couldn't stop talking about how great Vegas was as a, as a host city. And I'm sitting there thinking like, yeah, obviously, like the city, you know, the city is meant to put on events, like between the hotel rooms and, you know, the different shows and the clubs and like just places to to, you know, um, the capacity to have that many people. Uh, I, I had no doubt in my mind it would make for a great Super Bowl city, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts on, on you know, how Vegas compared to those other cities. Yeah. Um, add Los Angeles to that, to that list. It's difficult. Look, Las Vegas always has good weather, but again, we got really bit with the weather bug here. I mean, it was, it was freezing. It was freezing. It was low 40s on both Friday and Saturday night. Friday night, I was with a bunch of friends from California and other cities. And I mean, they were like, this is, it was pouring rain on Friday night and it was 45. You know, a combo of both of those is just not great for a Super Bowl city. So um, I realized that's about a 10% chance of happening, of having bad weather in Las Vegas in the middle of February. So that was points off. But in terms of, so Los Angeles, and then last last negative about Vegas, I'll get to the positives. It took me 45 minutes to get from Fountain Blue to Caesars Palace on Saturday at 6 p.m. That's about a mile and a half. Um, absolute gridlock on Las Vegas Boulevard. The worst I've ever seen it. Lived here for three years, have visited dozens of times outside of those three years. The worst traffic I've ever seen on Las Vegas Boulevard was was Saturday night. So... Those would be the points off. Points on what what city has this many venues that you could throw different parties at, and they're and it's excellent and it's it's efficient and they know how to do lines, they know how to handle crowds. Like it is a well oiled machine to throw events in this town. So from that perspective, I went to <laughs> went to a lot of events this weekend. We can maybe download those on another episode, but um, th- that. They were just a well oiled machine with throwing events. And then lastly, as I've always said about Las Vegas before this weekend, there's no alleys 
in in Las Vegas. Like all the other cities, they have like back entrances to things. And why that's cool is every single person, A list or F list, has to go through the front. Right. So like you literally see everyone in Las Vegas. If you're in town, like you get to see these people, whether that's um Kevin O'Connell or Sam Hartman, the Notre Dame quarterback, uh O'Connell's the Vikings head coach, or the Gronks, or um tons of different musicians like you name it you're standing right next to all these people so that's just cool it's steve mariucci like uh michael Irvin, chris carter i just saw all these people just walking around the wind casino or walking around encore some other casino so that part's just cool as opposed to los angeles where there <laughs> you won't see these people ever walking around la because there's back alleys and it's like back entrances to everything but las vegas doesn't have that so that's pretty cool yeah uh yeah that's true um in regards to the traffic yeah i the strip is not the, the 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 street of Las Vegas Boulevard is not equipped to handle that many cars. Um, no. And also the other thing that, that that clogs it up is a lot of the they're trying to build more. But like to get from one one side of the street, you know, get from Bellagio to the link, let's say, um, mm-hmm. you know, some of them, they have these above the street crosswalks. But there are still some crosswalks where they're on the street and, you know, to say that people don't pedestrians don't exactly follow the the crossing signs would be an understatement and so like yeah. i think that kind of clogs it up and um yeah they're just too many cars for for the number of of lanes and space there um but yeah, yeah. In- uh, last thing last thing about the logistics i took the monorail for the first time ever i've never taken the monorail in my life which uh runs uh north to harrah's and the link and runs south to mgm grand no airport no win, no, uh, nothing on the west side of the strip. Uh, maybe they'll connect it to Fountain Blue in the convention center one day. I doubt it because I'm sure the taxi lobbyists lobby against it. But um, it was actually really efficient. It, it took me six minutes to get, it took me six hours and six minutes to get from Harris, which is the heart of the strip, down to MGM Grand. And yeah, honestly, I mean, for the most part, Ubers are pretty efficient in this city. I haven't spent that much time here, but absolutely was not taking an Uber on Saturday night again. Like I said, the first one took me 45 minutes to go a mile. So, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe next time I come, I'll, I'll take the the monorail more. But it was too funny that I that I took that for the first time in my life. Yeah, the the monorail, uh, yeah, they, they built it and they didn't bring go to the airport and they didn't bring it like downtown. And yeah, it's it's like. It, it could be so much more used, um, yes. but yeah. And then it's like kind of expensive for like, you know, in, on a regular night. Um, but another good trick is there is a monorail from Excalibur to Mandalay Bay. That's free. Uh, Cause those are both MGM properties and like, that's not exactly a close walk. And then there's another monorail that will go from like Bellagio to Aria. Also like not, you know, it's not that bad of a walk, but uh, MGM has like, on the west side of the strip, MGM has all these properties, and so you can't get from one to the other, um, you know, on a, on a free monorail, which is a, a nice little hack if if you need it. Um, and then just the last thing I'll say to too about just running into people. I mean, yeah, like um, I I was staying at Planet Hollywood, um, and you know I was bouncing around between like there and like Caesars and Flamingo to meet people, and then the Mirage. But on Friday afternoon, you and I we went to the Win. And the wind is just such an incredible place, man. I mean, Friday, uh, it was a Friday afternoon, Super Bowl weekend, but you just walk around and you're like, I can feel the money in here. And like this, you know, like just a lot of wealthy people, good people watching. But within 10 minutes, 
I ran into Big Cat from Barstool, uh, who I had met before. So chat with him for a little bit. Then I ran into Bill Krakenberger, who's a professional sports better. Chat with him for a little bit. And then I ran into Joe Asher, who was the former CEO of William Hill. And now he runs sports betting at IGT. That was within ten, like the first 10 minutes of being in the win. So, um, you know, people say there's, there's nothing you can do for free in Vegas. But um, if, if you like good people watching and, and just kind of being in the mix, I would suggest to people to, uh, to just to go to the win. Totally. Completely agree. Same here. Um, yeah, th- those, those collisions are invaluable. I've been saying it since I've started going to Super Bowls. If you're in the industry, if you're in the sports industry, you're trying to level up and get your company or your career to the next level, there's nothing better than this weekend. It's, it's far and away the best weekend of the year. And the best part is I didn't spend any money. <laughs> like that's, that's the real cool part is that as opposed to these other business trips, we go to, you know, the freaking New Jersey, we go to North Jersey for a conference. We each spend a thousand dollars on a ticket. Then we go out to dinner. Then we go to breakfast. Then we maybe get drinks somewhere. Then we take Ubers and it, you know, it just snowballs into a large expense. I spent nothing this weekend. Everything's free. If, if you got it, you got to hustle. Like it's, you know, you can't just walk into a city and get invited to free things. But with the connections we've made in a decade of running this business, um, you can really do it affordably. Got to figure out the lodging part. You got a uh, very, you know, of course, my good friend of ours housed me for the weekend. Got to figure out the lodging part for Super Bowl City. Next year, it's in New Orleans. I don't, I don't think I have any friends down there. So you're to figure that out. But um, if you can figure out the lodging, it gets really, really affordable to do this weekend. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was just mentioning that just next year in New Orleans. Um, so uh, I'm sure that'll be a, a party uh, as well. Uh, moving on to the big game Super Bowl recap. Um, before we get into the game, uh, just wanted to note uh, we had a, a big sale on Saturday night, uh, and I thought this was a really cool ticket. I mean, check this out. Uh, in late September, a customer placed a $2,000 bet on the Super Bowl exact result. He bet Chiefs to beat the Niners in the Super Bowl in late September uh, at 25 to 1 odds. Uh, and so obviously this is kind of before like people were really discounting the Chiefs, but um, so he didn't get crazy odds at 25 to 1. But still, the fact that uh, this person got Chiefs to beat the Niners uh, in, in September is incredible. So $2,000 bet to collect $52,000. Two days after the conference championships, he listed it for sale for 25500 which was odds of plus 104 on basically just, you know, a Chiefs money line uh, ticket at this point. Uh, and then over the next two weeks, he slowly dropped the price, you know, little by little until the day before the Super Bowl uh, when he had lowered it to $24,000. And then it sold on Saturday night for $24,000. Uh, buyer received odds of plus 117, uh, which was better than every sports book out there. Um, most sports books had plus 110, but some were as low as plus 100, uh, kind of depend on the book. Um, we can get into it a little bit later, but I mean, this, it, it really felt like a, a pros versus Joe's game, especially just talking to people in Vegas as well, where uh, the general public was on the chiefs and uh, a lot of the, you know, quote unquote professionals or sharp betters were on, were on the Niners and you could really tell the difference, right? Because like DraftKings, which I think takes a lot of public money, they had the Niners at minus 120, uh, chiefs, uh, 
plus 100 versus Circa, which takes, I think, a lot of sh- more sharper action. They were like Niners minus 134 uh, Chiefs plus one, you know 114 or something like that. So um, it was really, you know, quite the divide between um, the public versus the 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 sharps. Um, so great buy for the for the buyer twenty four thousand uh, dollars to collect fifty two. Uh, got great odds and I mean still for the for the seller. I mean, and you know, twenty you know guaranteed twenty two thousand dollars profit right there on uh, an absolute co- coin flip uh, of a game. Which let's let's get into um, game action. Uh, first of all, Brock Purdy first rush over three and a half yards. Uh, we talked about it on last week's pod that hit. Um, I know the, the, the friend that, that gave you that, that tip, uh, he texted you immediately. Yeah. He was, he was pretty excited about it. Yep. Yeah. Happy for him. Like we discussed last week, this is his super bowl. Um, I, I always just let him, I let the dust settle the day after, but I'll text him. We'll have a report on our next episode of how he did. But as, as I, we discussed last week, I've said it on a bunch of different radio shows. Don't money's money. So whether you find a nice prop on the Super Bowl and turn a hundred bucks into two hundred, um, price shop, do your homework, and uh, you know we gave out some winners. So I'm happy to have given out that one. Yeah. Um, the other one that we gave, that we talked about uh, was the no player to have 150 or more rushing and receiving yards. That would have hit if it didn't go to overtime. Uh, McCaffrey went over by ten yards, uh, and they were. It was all yards racked up uh, in in overtime, so that that was a kind of a bad beat. Uh, but uh, that was I was I was bummed that uh, that didn't that didn't come through. Yeah. Um, but the most interesting thing from the first half, I think, has to be uh, another one of your friends um, texted this to you, and, and we put it up on Twitter, and and uh, Darren Ravel retweeted it. Uh, this guy used a two hundred dollar bonus bet on the prop that any non quarterback uh to throw a passing touchdown at 40 to 1 odds this ticket uh hit for $8,000 um and just an incredible pick by uh by your friend i mean i i saw props on like over two and a half players to throw a pass which weren't crazy odds because i mean that that could happen with you know per Brock Purdy got hurt or benched um but 40 to 1 on a touchdown pass is crazy given these two coaches and you know if you are going to drop a gadget play like like the Niners did it if you catch them off guard it's going to end up in a touchdown which which uh, what you did for the Niners so 40 to 1 odds on that is is crazy and and uh, uh congrats to to that guy who who hit it yeah completely agree yeah my my number would be 7 to 1 relative uh based on these two coaches and how creative they both are. I mean, they're, they're both nuts in terms of uh, not calling conventional plays, Kyle Shanahan, Andy Reid are so, and then both of these teams have so many good athletes, right? I mean, they're, they're just loaded with guys who would be able to pull that off as opposed to, I don't know, a team like the bears or something like a Luke Getzi's ass ain't ever calling that. And then B we don't, there's don't have the roster to pull that off. So to me, um, yeah, the number was was high single digits, and uh, the the quote from the customer is, "Yeah, it's just a bad line." And I agree. And he popped them for two hundred bucks. FanDuel owes to make grand now. Yeah, um, the the player who threw the pass, Juwan Jennings, also caught a touchdown pass in the game, and at one point he was an even money favorite to win Super Bowl MVP. 
Uh, and then heading into overtime, he was no longer the favorite, but he was still plus 200. He was the most favored Niners player uh, heading into overtime. We had a customer who he got it up for sale for a little, uh, but ended up taking it down in the fourth quarter. He had a $20 bet at 75 to one odds for Jennings to win MVP. Uh, but I have to imagine he made that bet during the game because Jennings was actually 300 to one before the game to win MVP. So um, if that doesn't show you how kind of crazy, just one example of how crazy that Super Bowl was, uh, you got a guy who was 300 to one to win MVP, someone probably that no one had on the radar before the game. Um, you know, if you're looking for long shots, you're looking for like defensive players, kickers, you know, I mean, I think there was a chance there where like Moody or Bucker could have, could have uh, won the MVP. Um, but uh, that that seventy five to one ticket twenty dollars it could have been sold for five hundred heading into overtime, but the seller chose to hang on to it. Uh, and then just another example of the MVP odds. Uh, at one point, I believe Patrick Mahomes was plus seven hundred to an MVP during the first half when they were they had a goose egg. Uh, so just a uh, incredibly topsy turvy game. Uh, and if the MVP odds don't uh, show that. Um, you know, that was it was a great game. And and we'll get into the sales in a second, but uh any any takeaways from the uh the MVP? Um the MVP, yeah, look it, if the Niners win, I still think they would have gave it to Purdy. I thought Purdy played a great game. I really did. I thought he looked sharp. I thought he was mobile in um in escaping the pocket. I thought he held on to the ball great. There was so there was probably five separate times when he was running and the Chiefs defensive linemen were trying to strip the ball and he kept it tucked as opposed to McCaffrey and Pacheco who both fumbled, right? So um, I was really impressed with Birdie. I thought he probably still would have won. So if I had a Juwan Jennings ticket, I would have sold it. Um, but my gosh, for him to for him to catch a pass, this guy's an unknown. I didn't even heard of I had never heard of this guy until yesterday. Um, for him to catch a pass and throw a pass. And look, man, I mean, we... We both said last week that this game was going to be low scoring. We thought both defenses were great, and that's pretty much exactly what happened. And um, the Chiefs just outlasted them, right? I mean, we we discussed last week. I, I thought the Chiefs were just the better team, and they just played enough football, you know, seventy five minutes of football, where the Chiefs just just outlasted them. Yeah. Um, look, uh, we'll leave the discussions on whether or not the Forty Nine ers should have chosen to receive the ball or kick the ball to start the overtime. Uh, I'm sure that's being discussed on, on a million different sports shows and, and podcasts. But um, yeah, I mean, look, Mahomes is now in the Brady territory of if he has the ball and has a chance to win the game, like he's the favorite, he's the favorite to do so. I, I don't, I, you know, um, it doesn't really matter who's, who's around him, what the offensive line looks like. Uh, if he has the ball and a chance to win the game or tie the game, you know, at the end of regulation, uh it, I would not, I would never bet against that at, at this point, but yeah. um, speaking yeah. last thing on that, I, I also feel like they, and they addressed it. They made it a big deal on the broadcast in the moment, but I also feel like they didn't really bring up the Drake Greenlaw injury again after that Achilles pop. I mean, that is crazy. That's a once that's a black swan event for him to, to do that. And he, and he double, it's always like these weird, like double pumps. It seems like they kind of like, lunge forward, double pump to go on the field and then came back because maybe the play lasted longer than he thought it was going to. And then his Achilles popped. So, um, yeah, just really weird event. And 
um, as with all sports, things could go differently if everyone stays healthy, but clearly they missed him on the Chiefs game-winning drive. Yeah, um, and maybe that right there should have been the omen of, like, not the 49ers day. I mean, if one of your best defensive players is uh, getting hurt running onto the field. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I you got to feel for him. I mean, for sure. to tear your Achilles running on the field and then ha- and then just watch your team lose the game in overtime. I mean, that's got to be incredibly crushing uh, for, for Greenlaw. Um, but speaking of overtime, uh, just a little recap from kind of the sports books. Don't have any solid numbers as of now, but uh, all reports are that the sports books got crushed uh, on the game. So kudos to all the betters out there who uh, who made some money. The books got middled on the total. Um, it was 47 and a half, uh, open at 47 and a half and was that total for a while, but then it closed 46 and a half. Uh, when the game started, and then the total landed on 47, right? So that means a bunch of money came in on under 47 and a half, under 47, uh, and then at 46 and a half, this, that is, is when they got over bets. And so the under 47 and a half's won, and the over 46 and a half's won. So the books got crushed on the total. Um, they also got crushed on the overtime bets that were anywhere from 9 to 1 to 11 to 1, which when you think about it, that was higher odds than that there would be a safety. So, um, you know, and for a, a game that was basically a coin flip uh, to be given out 10, 9, 10, 11 to 1 on overtime is, is kind of crazy. And I'm not surprised at all that the public, you know, loaded up on that. I saw a quote from one sports book that was like, you know, the the average bet amount was $16, but at 10 to 1, that adds up quick. Um, yeah. And uh, and so, yeah, and then just um, Caesars said that they lost seven figures alone on the overtime prop. Uh, and then just last thing, um, sports books also, like I said, we're rooting for the 49ers because of just the, the public action on, on the cheap. So all in all sports books did, uh, had a losing, uh, quite the losing day on, on Sunday. Yeah. I would think that games that are low scoring would have a higher probability of going to overtime versus games that are high scoring, just because nature of less points combined would make, uh, the standard deviation lower. That'd be my guess. And, you know, everyone thought this game was going to be low scoring for the most part. And a lot of people thought this was going to be a coin flip. So 10 to one on OT. Yeah. I kind of wish I gave that out as a prop. That's that's in retrospect sounds very logical. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, at nine to one, that's implied odds of 10%. And I would venture to guess that much lower than 10% of games, NFL games go to overtime. I mean, you know, you may not see a single overtime game on a, in a, in an NFL week. Right. So, um, you know, I don't think the number was great. You know, I think that's a, that's a probably a, a fair number or probably even a, a bad number given the odds, but, um, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, I mean, just, you knew it was, you know, you, you kind of had a feeling it was going to be a close game one way or the other. I mean, everyone was saying, it was like, look, like if I had to pick a side, I would do, I would pick, you know, team A or team B, but like, I don't love either of these sides. Right. Like, you know, the money was to be made on, on some of these props. Um, but speaking of props, how about, let's talk about prop swap here for a second. Um, incredible night uh, for in-game sales. Uh, tickets were selling from kickoff until the, until the final drive. Uh, and just to give a couple examples of just how topsy-turvy this game was, in the early third quarter, uh, a Chiefs Super Bowl ticket sold on prop swap at plus 438 odds. Plus 438 on the Chiefs in the third quarter. And then um, 
late in the fourth quarter with the 49ers driving uh, to make it 19-16. So it was, a, it was a tie game, but 49ers were clearly driving to take the lead. Uh, a 49ers Super Bowl ticket sold at minus 367 odds. So, um, you know, there were some great buys and sells all throughout the game. We've been talking about it. If if you're not on prop swap during these big games, you're, you're missing out because um, <clears throat> there's, there's definitely action to be had one way or the other, whether it's getting the winning team at plus 438 or it's, or it's getting off your ticket at, at minus 367. Um, you know, you, you don't have to be sitting there uh, with, you know, sit, sitting on your hands uh, dur- during the games. There are buyers and sellers all out there um, on prop swap during these games. Yeah. I, I was talking with our friend while watching the game that the, the San Francisco 49ers were minus 600 on FanDuel in game. And the most they ever led by was 10 points. It was 10 nothing in the second quarter. Like, and I get it. The Chiefs looked stymied in the first half. They looked confused. And of course, Travis Kelsey was in Andy Reid's face and they looked upset. So I get that. And the Pacheco fumble was, of course, not good. Um, but I just, I don't understand that. And maybe it's clearly the sports books were begging, in my opinion, they were begging you to take plus two, right? They were begging you to take Kansas City. Like they just refused to move the number, even though it seemed like it was 75% of the money was on Kansas City, like the numbers still didn't move. And I said, you know, last week, I thought the spread should have been minus three and a half Kansas City. Um, So I just... For, to make the chief, excuse me, to make the Niners minus six hundred when they barely have a ten point lead, I just I didn't get it. So again, and this kind of goes back to my earlier point about uh, this is I can't remember a game like this in recent memory where there was this much discrepancy from book to book because I I agree with you that the that on Fanduel like the odds were um uh, favoring 49ers very heavily during the game but on DraftKings like I mentioned earlier like they were they were begging for 49ers tickets there was an example in the third quarter that I saw where DraftKings had the Niners at like minus 104 and FanDuel had the Niners at like minus 140 and like mm-hmm. there was an arbitrage opportunity but it was just too quick to actually yeah. pounce on it but like I I couldn't I can't remember a game like that where where sports books were before the game and during the game differing that much and so mm-hmm. While I agree with you that FanDuel had Niners at one thing, like DraftKings was a completely different story where they were begging people for for, for Niners bets. Uh, and so um, that's always a great opportunity for bettors out there when when there's that much discrepancy, because, yep. you know, as more things are, you know, move online and just people can gobble up bad numbers. Um, when you have an event like this with this much liquidity and this many bets, uh, it was it was cool to see. Um, uh, that, that that kind of big discrepancy because it's like if you like the Niners you could go get minus one twenty if you like the Chiefs you could have gotten them at plus one fifteen you know before the game and and it's very rare to uh, to happen like that. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, do you know what the, what the heaviest minus money was on DraftKings? Were you tracking that? Did it ever get to the five hundreds minus five hundred? I I was not tracking DraftKings throughout the game. Um, you know you can only you know you can only look at so many things, so many numbers, so many things uh, during the game. So, you know, I've got my eyes on the game. I got my eyes on, on our sales. I got my eyes on, on one books odds, um, you know, making sure that everything's running smoothly. So I, I was not tracking DraftKings uh, throughout the game as well. But um, every time I did look at DraftKings, it was, there was, it was bigger Heavy. discrepancy than FanDuel and, and you could have gotten way better odds on the Niners uh, on DraftKings than on, than on uh, FanDuel. Got it. 
Um, <clears throat> so that will uh, put a bow on the 2023-24 football season. Uh, great season. Uh, Chiefs repeat. Uh, but so, so you know, uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk about uh, next year's odds on I'm sure on a, on a future podcast. But uh, I think th- the fact that there you know, we had two kind of favorites, I think um, I think that will be an anomaly. And I think as we keep moving forward, we we will uh, see some more some more long shots uh, ent- enter the conversation. So uh, that will do it for that football season. But before we wrap up this episode, uh, time to talk about some more odds coming up here in Stake or Swap. Time to switch sports. Uh, Going to talk some basketball, both pro and college here uh, coming up. Um, NBA All-Star Game coming up this weekend. Uh, and then, of course, we got March Madness uh, coming up here in a few weeks. But uh, going to talk a little NBA player awards. Um, Jalen Williams on the Thunder uh, to win most improved player, currently 100 to 1 uh, at FanDuel and Caesars. Um, I will go first. I am staking Jalen Williams to win most improved player. Uh, so this is an extremely hard event to handicap because no one really knows what the criteria is. I mean, it's, you know, John Moran has won it before and he was already a good player. Um, and so Tyrese Maxey is currently the favorite at minus 220, uh, followed by uh, Alperin Shangoon on the Rockets and Kobe White on the Bulls. Um, and so, you know, the, the, all three of those guys are in d- different categories, if you ask me. But the Bulls and Rockets will be lucky to make the play-in game. And while the Sixers are currently fifth in the East, I would expect a drop-off in their record with Embiid expected to miss months, maybe the entire season with an injury. Um, meanwhile, the Thunder are tied for first in the West. They are one of the best teams in the league with uh, a guy on the team who's currently second in MVP in, in uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Um, and so you couple that with Jalen Williams averaging 19 points a game on 54% shooting, and he has started every game he's played in. Uh, I think you could start to see his odds start to rise uh, as more people start to pay attention to the Thunder for their next eight games are, are nationally televised. And so, again, these awards, as we always say, you know, if there are, there are humans voting on them, I just I have to imagine that people are, have not been paying attention to the NBA as a whole. Uh, and let alone the thunder. Um, and so now the football's over, I think more tension will be shifted towards basketball. Uh, like I said, for the next eight games, national televised, this guy's good. And I got to imagine that the thunder having a really good record, uh, them winning games, him playing well is going to have an impact versus, like I said, Tyrese Maxey is really good. He's really, really good, but you know, he cannot carry a team I'm guessing by himself. And so with them beat out, um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to think that things are going to start to come back a little bit. And so I think Jalen Williams um, is a solid buy low here at 101. Completely agree. I had my hand up for those of you uh, who aren't watching the, the, our episode on YouTube when Ian was saying, uh, for those of you that haven't been paying attention to the NBA relative to the NFL, I had my hand up, but now football's over on to basketball season and hockey season. So will be shifting my attention more of the NBA. I've watched a ton of college basketball, most college basketball I've ever watched. And we'll get into that with my next pick. But um, look, all the people that I trust that watch the NBA are big Thunder fans. SGA is up for MVP. I think his odds are around five to one right now for him to win MVP. So 
Thunder are on the rise. They're a really young team. To give me 100 to 1 on a Thunder player to win an award, great. I, I think that makes a ton of sense. And um, relative to Mac and, and the arguments for Maxi success relative now that Embiid is out, completely agree with that. And to your point, uh, Bulls are Kobe White's good. Kobe White's killing it in, in Chicago. He is having the season of his life relative to all the other seasons he's had. I've been to many Bulls games. He's stunk the last few years, but he's playing great. So he's he's in the mix for sure. But I think let's let's find a player in the Thunder that can win an award, 101. I like it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, all right. Moving to college basketball. Uh, Going to talk about last year's Cinderella team, Florida Atlantic. Uh, currently 85 to 1 at FanDuel. Um, Luke, I will start with you first. Are you staking or swapping FAU? Yeah. So staking Florida Atlantic, you can find them on FanDuel at 85 to 1, like you said. And at Bet365, they're 28 to 1. That's one of the biggest discrepancies I've ever seen in the futures market. Returning all five starters, they got the John L. Davis kid, the junior guard, and then that massive Russian guy, white guy, Vladislav Golden, uh, is their center. And as we all know, they lost in overtime on a buzzer beer to San Diego State, who went to the national championship. Championship. This seems really good. Five loss team. They've had a couple clunkers, not going to lie, but they beat Arizona. They beat Virginia Tech. They've beaten some really good teams. So um, 85 to one on this team. I'm, I'm staking FAU. <clears throat> yeah, um, I like it. Uh, like you said, they beat Arizona. Arizona is a good team. You know, they obviously have their off nights, but overall, Arizona's a really good team. Um, and speaking, I mean, I think FAU has also had their off nights. I think perhaps maybe they're just kind of sleepwalking a little bit through the, the regular season. Um, but clearly they returned a lot of guys who, who played on that team, the final four team, um, you know, and the, whatever argument you may have about like, Oh, they play in a weak conference. Well, it's like they dispelled that last year. So, um, they got the talent, good coach. Um, currently they are 11th in the Ken Palm rankings in terms of adjusted offense. Not so much on defense, but I think that's something they can, again, defense is effort. And so if you're kind of sleepwalking through some of these games, um, I think that's something they can improve. So um, I like it. 85 to one on a team that that just went to the final four um, and returns returns all their starters. Uh, sign me up for that. Yeah. And lost on a buzzer beater. Like you're one shot away from going to the natty and everyone came back. I just... Yeah, I and that coach is is super good. He'll he'll be... Am I, I know they... I think they re-signed him in the offseason. But um, yeah, he's he's an excellent head coach. Yeah. Uh, so that will do it for this week's episode. Uh, just some quick uh, uh, bookkeeping. We will be off next week, taking uh, taking a little break after a uh, much needed break after a long football season. Uh, Going to celebrate the President's Day holiday weekend. Uh, and so uh, thank you all for tuning in and following along this NFL season. We will be back again in two weeks. Uh, Going to talk some more basketball, more golf, more hockey. Uh, and so uh, please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and we will talk to you then. 